Cheers. We're like, uh, I don't think we need to bother with bringing them back, for sure. We'll just let Jason and his crew. Sit up. He doesn't even know, but he's yeah. He's actually running the, he probably does. He's running the audio visual back there, and we stole <laughs> these chairs. He doesn't even know that we're gonna keep these. There's chairs. somebody in, that's gonna go up in the AV booth oh, can on hear Sunday, stuff. and they're gonna like try to sit down, and then all of a sudden just <laughs> hit the floor. <laughs> no recollection that there was like even a chair a there or something. And then people, people are gonna be like, what? Whoa! Anyway. <laughs> oh. You almost ruined class right there at the beginning. I would have walked out. <laughs> Done with this. Not even bothered to clean it up. Just walk out. <laughs> Let it drip dry. <laughs> okay, time to get started. Uh, thank y'all for being here. I know the room is arranged a little differently, um, but uh, Jason Mosley, who is sitting back in the back of the classroom right now, uh, has done extensive work to get us a better computer and better camera so we don't have the problems that we've been having of no audio or no screen or both and having to proper phones up real quick and all that kind of stuff. So um, eventually, I mean, this, <laughs> this is even just a temporary setup because eventually like that camera's going to be up on the wall so I don't have to worry about walking in front of it. And there's Crazy gonna, stuff. Like, it's going to be... We're going to be highfalutin' around here is what I'm saying. So, yeah, highfalutin'. Falutin'. What did you think I said? Falutin'. You never heard, you never heard of highfalutin'? Falutin'? I don't know. F F A L. There's not a G at the end? Huh? Falutin'? F-A-L-U-T-I-N-G. Or I-N with an apostrophe. I-N apostrophe. Falutin'. Falutin'. We're in Arkansas. Highfalutin'. Okay. Okay, so you explained to me what basic Good. meant, so I'm telling you highfalutin is like fancy. Bet. Yeah. I don't start the bet stuff. Is bet still a thing? I feel like, is that still? I think it's on its way out. Bet. bet. See, there's so many confused faces right now. I'm sure people online are confused right now, too. But if you're... <laughs> there's betting we're not online? Be, not betting online. It's a little, it's a little different. Well, I guess you could. Yeah. Bet. Yeah, bet. B-E-T, bet. Like you're going to make a bet. Yeah. Bet. But you're basically like, what, agreeing with somebody? Or like, yeah, uh, that's like, going to happen? Or yeah, it's for see, sure, see that sure it won't thing. happen. Say you're going to teach class. Bet. Like, yeah, you're you're going to teach class. Right. Or if I... I have yeah. one of my three sons that you Are you writing word. down that terminology? <laughs> Lewis, writing down the terminology. For, <laughs> notes for Galatians class. <laughs> bet. <laughs> The first Greek word that Paul uses. That's right. Yes. Yeah, it's almost the same way. Like bet, bet with me that I could text my son Griffin right now and say, "Can you make sure to take care of this, this, and this?" And his response would be, "Bet." Like, yeah, I'm gonna do that. So now you know. So now you got grandkids or something, you know, and they say like. Well, did you decide last week? Yeah. Yeah, we announced it. And we even made a post on our social media of like, here's here's what class is going to be tomorrow. Okay. Well, then you're going to be surprised. I'm not even telling you. I'm not even going to tell you. It's about Jesus. I will say this. While we were talking about bet, I even said what the topic was going to be when Lou was 
starting to write down notes. See, I know, I know. This is the problem. Okay. Quick question. Quick question as we get started. What is, when you were growing up, either one of the rules at your own home or one of the rules at school, or maybe one or two of them, that uh, if you had the chance, you'd be like, man, it, like if we could take that rule away, that would have been really nice. Yeah. If you lied, that's at your house, I'm assuming. You got your mouth washed out with soap. Anybody here ever had their mouth washed out with soap? I did once. And if I told my mom, do you remember that one time? She'd be like, you're making that up. I didn't do no that. Way. There was one time, I remember it. I got my mouth washed out with soap. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so he had a really clean mouth by the end of it. Yeah. All right. Anybody else? What's a rule that you would have gotten rid of? Nine o'clock curfew. Nine o'clock curfew. That's a good one. Wow. But still, it would have been, been nice. Though. It would have been nice to find out. <laughs> wonder what, wonder what the world's like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Could just go to bed. <laughs> There's nothing happening. There's really nothing happening after nine o'clock. Ah, that's a good one. You have to watch out for the younger siblings. That was like a rule. Oh, you had to take them with you too. Yeah. It's. It sounds like there's still some bitterness about this, Sherry. It sounds like there's some things you haven't let go of yet. And the flip of that was being the youngest, and everything was, what you'll have your turn. It'll, your turn will come. Yeah. You'll get, you know, you'll get to do this. You'll get to do that. Your turn will come. I had our school that I went to had a stretch where we had a we had a belt rule, like like boys had to wear belts. It wasn't a uniform. You didn't have to wear a specific uniform. But you had to wear a belt. And I don't know why, like, I wear belts every day now. But for some reason, as a teenager, we were like, you can't make me wear a belt. And so guys would intentionally wear their shirts untucked so that they could walk around without being able to tell if you had. And then, you know, some per a teacher or somebody in authority would, like, lift up your shirt and, like, go get a belt. You know, just like, <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know. But it felt rebellious to not wear a belt, you know. You had to have your ID the whole time? Yeah. Had to have the shirt tucked in. Yeah. What would they do if you had your elbows on the table? Heck yeah. Because they, because they. Hello. Hi. Yes. Get your elbows off the table, Tracy Lieberman. Was it like that? Because that's what happens at our camp. <laughs> she said, Jesus is not for me. Because of the elbows on the table? Yeah. 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 Also, who who decided 
Yeah. Yeah. Never went back again. Was like what is, what is it? Yeah. Okay. For what it's worth, for what it's worth, at least when I've been in charge of our session, that's never been anything that the adults have inflicted on any campers. There's been some campers that have done that. Yeah. 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 I understand. A little bit. Yeah. So good. Oh yeah. She loved Nacho Libre. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, anybody else? A rule that you wish wasn't there. Yeah. How dare you? Yeah. It seemed like there was inconsistency to the rules. Is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I felt that way, too. I felt like my parents were stricter on me than they were my sister. And my sister feels like they were stricter on her. She's older. That's funny. But she, but she sees it the opposite. She thinks that they're a whole lot more uh, more strict on her than on me. And I think probably both is accurate. But I also I know that there might have been some rules in place that I just was like, I'm going to do my own thing anyway. So. <laughs> Not me, heavens no. Yeah, do what? Yeah. I mean, I wasn't going and committing crimes or anything like that. But I wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. There was no. There was no breaking and entering. Or there might have been some vandalism. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Do you call, do you call, well, I mean, do you, like, shoe okay. polishing cars, is that vandalism? That's vandalism. Yeah. No. It's not. Oh, it washes off. All the judgment, right? It washes off. <laughs> all the judgment. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you put it on the windows. It washes off. Yeah. As long as it doesn't cause permanent damage? Okay. No, I wouldn't paint somebody's car. Yeah. Somebody else in the room might. Yeah. No. The most the most thorough shoe polishing job is is draw a box on the windshield, kind of in front of the steering in front of the driver's side, and then just cover the rest of the thing all white. That was the best. Incredible. That was, yeah. I know. <laughs> the guy who drive to the car wash. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, see now that seems a little more. Did y'all do that? Okay. I wish I would have known. Sherry Swanson let the air out of somebody's tires. If anybody's watching, any of the authorities want to? <laughs> well, it's out there now. It's out there now. That's right. <laughs> I was gonna say, or was this recent? It was this in the last, you know. She okay. just got All finished right. doing. It. <laughs> She's out in the church parking lot just now, <laughs> letting air out of somebody's tires. Yeah. <laughs> Come out to a flat tire, like Sherry. 
You just hear her peeling up. <laughs> I would die. Okay. The reason I'm asking about that is because uh, we are going to be studying the book of Galatians. Woo! You're welcome. The book of Galatians. and uh, Because, oh, by the way, we finished on time. We did. Right? We did. We finished, we finished the, the minor prophets. Yeah. We had a schedule, and we finished when we said we would. Woo! So that was really good on, on our part. Oh, pat myself on the back. Incredible. No, we're we're gonna we're gonna be done with this by the time uh, summer gets here. We're gonna we're gonna plow through and get it done. So um, it's only six chapters. So surely we can get through six chapters. That's a lot of chapters. I mean, it took me almost a year to get through Ephesians, right? But <laughs> but that's beside the point. Um, Correct. So we're gonna we're gonna look at, at Galatians, and one of the things that we'll have to deal with throughout the book of Galatians is rules and laws and traditions and regulations, and should we keep doing those things or should we not? That's one of the big issues, and so that's why I want to ask you guys, like, what's some of the rules that that you wish weren't there? Um, and maybe even you had. I mean, we could get into. I mean, we we could make this a really long study even today without even getting into the intro stuff, and just ask, what are some rules at church that you wish weren't there? That would open a giant can of worms, wouldn't it? And so, and there may be some of them that we're going to get into while we're going through the study. But I won't. I won't open that can of worms. It'll be open this morning. All right. So, uh, if you got your Bibles, your Bible apps, go ahead and open up to Galatians. Um, although we're going to do a lot of of intro kind of stuff today so we'll also be um going to the book of acts so have that at the ready too because we're going to kind of bounce back and forth um between the two so letter of galatians who's it written by pop quiz paul, paul very good who's Jesus it written Christ. who's it written to the galatians, the galatians. <laughs> very good okay y'all are doing awesome so far all right uh so is galatia a uh, city is it a country is it a is it a it can't be just a person right mr galatia yeah kind of uh-huh so uh this would be where we're talking about is in modern day turkey and Galatia is a, we would probably call it nowadays like a territory. Um, province. It, yeah, a province. Uh, it was, I mean, the Roman Empire is in power. This is, you know, several years after Jesus uh, was on this earth, a few years after the church has been established. And um, it was it was a Roman, uh, a Roman governed, governed territory. So several cities uh, within this particular area, Okay. Anything you want to add so far? We we both have notes, but we didn't compare notes. No, so. that's good. That's what we've been. We're doing good so doing. far. Yeah. Okay. Which so, makes it different, distinct from some of these other letters, because you have like Thessalonians. Well, that's li written to the church in Thessalonica, and so it's like, okay, we know we know exactly the people. We know specific circumstances with these people. And Galatia is kind of like a, it'd be like to the church in Texas, and it's like, well, <laughs> the churches of Texas. Yeah, the churches yeah. of Texas. It's like, yeah. okay. We can, yeah, because there's some big things that are happening within these places. But to your thing, you can you can designate that it's most likely southern Galatia, because so of this is modern day Turkey Acts right here. Acts 13 and 14. Galatia, oh, you can see it up here in this northern part. But at the time, see, this is where I mean, just just a quick thing. 
your your study Bible said written to southern the churches in southern Galatia, and there are some people or a lot of scholars that think that it was written to the churches in northern Galatia, and uh, because for a significant part of the history of the Roman Empire, this area down here where Paul went through on his journeys was not part of um, Galatia, but there's been archaeological evidence over the last 20-ish years uh, where they have discovered that, no, during the first century when the church was around, the province, you see where it says Galatia up here? This actually extended down pretty close to the, the coastline here. So uh, it's, it seems more than likely um, that he's writing to the churches in Galatia. Plus, if you go through and you see these colorful lines that are all here, these are what are what we refer to as Paul's missionary journeys, if you've ever heard that term before. So if you go through the book of Acts and you find out where Paul and Barnabas or Paul and Silas or Paul and Timothy or Paul and Luke, uh, the different um, you know places that they went to as they were spreading the gospel and, and helping to start churches and teaching people about Jesus and then writing back to some of those churches. The first journey that, that Paul ever went on was from Antioch over here to Cyprus and up and around to this area here in Galatia, and then made his way uh, back again. And that's in Acts chapters 13 and 14, okay? In a lot of our Bibles, too, in the back, uh, at least in the, the study Bibles, uh, I know at least in the ESV, in yours, it'll be like first journey, second journey, third mm -hmm. journey, and you can kind of see that played out because each time he gets bigger and bigger. Yeah, he goes a little further every time. That's right. So, um, well... Not in there. I mean, the people yeah. people call that fourth journey like his oh, his yeah. his uh, <laughs> his arrest and shipwreck and all that. That's his fourth that was, that journey. Was journey. Yeah, that's his fourth journey to Rome for sure. Um, so if you go, I mean, let's just kind of look real quick. I know we said Galatians, but let's go into the book of Acts real quick and just kind of get a a little bit of a picture of Paul's um, interaction with this church. Okay, so. Uh, Paul's been a Christian for a few years, and I mean, do y'all remember Paul's whole conversion story? What what happened there? Before he became a Christian, what was he? Okay. A what? He was a bad guy. He was a murderer. He was yeah. He was he was uh, a Jew. He was a prominent Jew. He was um, he was kind of on a career path to become like a Pharisee, one of these experts in the law. And so, uh, if you read in the the in chapter eight, and and chapter uh, nine of the book of Acts, um, you see Paul like very actively uh, persecuting the church, threatening people, arresting people, having people killed because of their faith in Jesus. Then he's on the road to a city called Damascus, has this, has this um, interaction with Jesus where a bright light shines and Jesus you know strikes him blind and says you need to stop persecuting me. And uh, following that, he becomes a Christian. He's baptized and becomes a Christian. That's a really quick summation of his conversion story, okay? But what we don't pay attention to is after he becomes a Christian, he's got a few years there where we really don't know a whole lot about him. The book of Acts still focuses on Peter and some things that are going on with him. So we find Paul being converted in, in Acts chapter 9, but then we don't hear about him again until we get to about chapter 13, okay? Um, and, uh, well, maybe chapter 12. But anyway... Uh, so he's up here. He he was from Tarsus, which is here in Cilicia, which is right next to Galatia. 
Um, and that's where he went back to when he became a Christian. Uh, he went back to that area and probably started converting people, telling people about Jesus. And you got this guy Barnabas that's in the church in Jerusalem, and he comes and finds Paul in Tarsus, and they go over here to the city of Antioch. And they, uh, the church really begins to um, grow. Uh, the message begins to spread. And then they decide we're limiting the message too much to right here. We need the rest of the world to know about this. And so uh, they pray about it, and they send Paul and Barnabas off on this journey. So they come across to Cyprus and loop around here and go through these different cities, okay? And that's what you see, um, you know, in chapter 13. And when you, really when you get into chapter 14, he comes to a city called uh, Iconium and then Lystra and then Derby, And those are in what is referred to as southern Galatia, okay? They're in, they're in the province of Galatia. And he spent a lot of time there. He went through those cities, and then he ended up on his way back, going back through those same cities. Uh, one of these cities is where, um, I believe on a second journey, he picks up a guy named Timothy and um, takes him with him on his next journey, going even further west than what he had been before. But I want you to see a couple of things uh, here in chapter 14. Interrupt me or jump no, in here anytime. Great. Okay. Um, so look at chapter 14. Let's look at uh, verse 8. In Lystra, there sat a man crippled in his feet who was lame from birth and never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up on your feet. And at that, the man jumped up and began to walk. That's a pretty amazing thing. Lame guy, all of a sudden, Paul heals him. Verse 11, when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the, the priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. So they heal this guy, and what ends up happening? Suddenly they're gods, okay? And, and the whole city thinks that uh, Barnabas is who? What God? Zeus. And uh, Paul is who? Hermes. Or maybe some tra translation will say Mercury. But um, two Greek gods, Zeus being you know the chief god, and then kind of his messenger, kind of a lower god, is, is Hermes or Mercury. And so since Paul is doing a lot of the talking, I guess Barnabas kind of had this authoritative or, or, uh, <laughs> look where you look like Zeus. I don't know. Uh, and then, you know, Paul's kind of maybe the scrawnier guy or the, I don't know. Anyway, um, but since he seems to be more the messenger, they, they called him uh, Hermes. Now, just quick side note, there was a legend in this, see, it had the, they had a temple to Zeus right outside the city. There was a legend from centuries before Paul and Barnabas would do this that Zeus and Hermes had come down uh, to this area. And had actually um, been really mean to the people, uh, you know, the people in this area right here. And so, these people would have known that legend. You know, they're still worshiping Greek and Roman guys, the Gentiles at least. And so, when they when they see, you know, Paul has the power to heal, and they think these are gods. Part of it, I guess, is celebration. But they're offering these bulls and stuff. Why would they? Besides celebrating the fact that gods have come down, why else would they be offering, making these sacrifices? We sure want to appease. We don't want to happen whatever happened before. So we're going to sacrifice. We're going to lift you guys up. We're going to make y'all feel extra special, right? Mm -hmm. And so 
Uh, I'm not for sure that Paul and Barnabas even fully understood because it says that they're speaking in their Lyconian language. So I'm not even for sure that Paul and Barnabas exactly understood what was going on themselves because it says in verse 14, when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, so like when they figure out what's going on, they tore their clothes and rushed out of the crowd shouting, men, why are you doing this? We too are only men human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not uh, left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. And even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. So they're like, no, 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 we're people like you. We serve a God. He's the awesome God, but we're men like you. And they're still, they're still having trouble calming the crowd down. Okay, and I, I I want you to see that because I want you to see part of the the mindset of the people that Paul is writing to in Galatians. Now he's writing this letter a few years later. This is his first experience there. He's writing Galatians a few years later. But that's the kind of that's the kind of culture and the kind of mindset that at least the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people um, in this area, come from. Now, on the flip side. Flip side, probably not even right. But just additionally, um, this whole area had a very dominant uh, Jewish influence as well. Um, I won't go too far into the weeds as far as historical stuff is concerned. But after Alexander the Great started the Greek Empire that took over the Persian Empire, and after he died, there was some of his generals, uh, there was kind of a... a division of the Greek Empire with, with several different rulers. And one of those guys um, in the 270s BC, his name was Antiochus, and he was losing power. He was losing territory. And to try to regain some of his authority and his power, he went all the way over to the area of Babylon and, and um, you know, where we talked about before with all the prophets and stuff. And a lot of the Jews that were still over there since the Babylonian captivity, he took 2,000 Jewish families and brought them over to this area to resettle, uh, thinking that that would give him, obviously, uh, more more power, more people on his side. He could um, have uh, more soldiers that would be, um, you know, uh, uh, loyal to him. And so, you know, 200-ish years later, 250 years later, there's a pretty significant uh, Jewish population in this area. Okay, which is why, I mean, Paul is from here. Paul is from Tarsus. There was a big, uh, you know, Jewish population in that city. That's where he came from. So here's a whole group of people that are, that are inundated with this belief in, in Greek and Roman gods and mythology and all the legends, and now they think it's happening again. But you've also got a significant group of people who have... Uh, learned all their lives about the old law and Moses and the prophets and all the rules and the regulations and, and all those things. So, still there in Acts chapter 14, look at verse 19. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. But after the disciples gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city, and the next day he and Barnabas left for Derby. Okay, so what happens? <laughs> The, 
Well, we don't know for sure. It's just the crowd. So I think it's the same people. Yeah, it looks like it's the same people. So here's people that are worshiping Paul and Barnabas as gods. <laughs> and I don't know how long it took, a few days, a few hours. I, we don't know. Just in a short amount of time, they've been completely flipped over to thinking these guys are awful and let's stone them to death. And they do. And the, the, the dominant Jewish influence in this culture, in this area, makes that happen. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he still has that domineering. Yeah, he's like, no, we can't like, look, like, Don't stone me. Yeah. yeah. We'll stone the little guy. Stone yeah. him. Yeah, I don't he's know for sure. That's right. So uh, so you can kind of see the, the, um, the difference in mindset, but you can also see how quickly and how easily influenced uh, this group of people is. And, I mean, think – uh, I don't know how many of us have been on mission trips and stuff. This is uh, Paul and Barnabas's one of their first stops. It's like, okay, let's see, let's see how this whole Jesus thing goes. Um, at one of one of their first places, uh, well, first of all, they're praised to be gods, and then the flip is switched, and then Paul is almost killed and miraculously survives. Um, but at the same time, if we, who does this sound like? This, as as Marshall was just reading it and saying it, I was like, wow, I think, I think I've heard this story before. <laughs> Not this story. Yeah. But in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, heard this story before where, think about Jesus. He's coming in during, uh, you know, Passion Week, and everybody's, Hosanna, Hosanna. It's the king. Down. It's the king. Everybody's praising his name. And the Jews are like, hey, you need to stop this. And he's like, dude, the, the rocks are going to cry out if they don't do it. A couple days later, those same people are the one that are crucifying Jesus. And Clamoring so for this crucifixion. Uh, it's almost like the the story of the crazy naked guy, um, <laughs> where here's this amazing thing. It's Mark chapter five. Mm -hmm. Here's this amazing thing, and you see this guy go from demon possessed, naked, cutting himself, terrible, to fully healed. And I think there's there's two different views of like, wow, look at what God did. God's amazing. Or like, dude, there's something wrong with this guy that like. If this guy has more power to take like all the demons out, something's wrong with Jesus. And so what did they ask him to do? They said, dude, you need to leave. Like You need to flee and get away from here. And I think the same thing is happening. It's like, whoa, okay, you're a god. Wait, you're not a god? Okay, we're going to kill you. Well, we're going to kill you <laughs> because whatever you are, we can't let you just be. Yeah, you can't be walking around I healing think, people. Yeah, and I think that Paul is right, is right to probably, at, at least from here, be like, okay, I think this is the expectation. Uh, he's either going to be hated or loved or killed. Right, something like and that. And there's and there's something to be said uh, historically again for the this group of people, um, especially the, well the Jewish people too though, uh, but definitely the 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 non-Jewish people in this area had a history of being very fickle, uh, easily swayed. Um, the even the the term Galatia comes from the Gauls and the Gauls were barbarians mostly occupying modern-day France, but there's a whole group of them that had come all the way across and down um, to this area here. Uh, when Alexander the Great was coming through, the Gauls joined up with him and fought against some of the other tribes and people to help conquer this area. When the Romans came through, they switched sides and started fighting for the Romans. When there were people 
uh, fighting back against the Romans, they switched sides and fought with them until it looked like the Romans going to win. And they're like, no, 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 we've been on your side the whole time. And they just had this whatever, whatever seems like the right thing or whatever seems like the most beneficial thing, we'll just do that. And they flip-flop back and forth, okay? Um, so, again, that kind of goes into um, their, their mindset. They have, a, they have a history, a generational history of being easily swayed and changing their minds at the drop of a hat, okay? So that's significant as we get through Galatians um, because that's one of the things that Paul is going to address. There's things that he and Barnabas taught these people, and now somebody else has come along behind them and has taught them something else completely different, and they're like, oh, well, then let's do that. Hmm. And it's almost something that comes natural to them, okay? Um, so that's one thing about the intro to this. Now, there's another big... Uh, issue that has to be addressed um, that's going on in the church in Galatia. And, well, which let's just go... Which you're super thankful for that us two as the males in here. <laughs> that's right. This is the... T yes. That we get to talk about this. So, um, Galatians chapter 1. Let's, let's look there real quick. Galatians chapter 1. Uh, starting in verse 6. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to convert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. So... They've already switched to another gospel, another message, something that they're relying on. You might know from any study in the past or anything what the what the the other gospel is that they've turned to. Any any guesses? Okay. So there were the thing about these these um, Jewish Christians that come from the Jewish culture, but again their lives to Jesus. What was one of the sticking points for them? early on circumcision okay because we're living uh at a time where most cultures roman culture greek culture but almost every other culture did not circumcise males it was just the jewish people did now there were other something... cults and stuff that did but for the most part as far as right. a nationality of people the jewish people were some of the only ones that did and that was a special thing for the jews in particular because all the way back in uh you know the the middle parts of genesis that was something that separated god said if you're going to be my people then this is going to be something physically that separates you from everybody else. And so that's why all the Jewish people, all the way from Abraham, all the way through Jesus and beyond, were circumcised. Nowadays, circumcision is just a... Um, it's a medical thing. It's a choice. It's yeah, a, it's a choice. <laughs> and I think... Say again? Cosmetic. Yeah, that's, what I, that's yes. what I was thinking. It's more cosmetic than anything else as far as like this doesn't affect the way that anything works or doesn't work. It's just how do you want it to look, really? How do your parents want it to look, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so, excuse me. <laughs> it was the and uh, so. Yeah, no, it, it just. But anyway, yeah, Marshall, you want to say? I'm, who's yeah, say it first talking about removing the foreskin from the penis. Boom. That's what we're talking about. And that was something. I know, right? I'm thinking of that new girl episode where. Um, but this was a big sticking point because, in all honesty, as I'm reading about the, the arguments and stuff that are happening in Galatians here, 
this is a pretty big jump for the like God's people that have been holy and consecrated and circumcision is a part if you're a part of the family you're circumcised for Paul to open it up and to say the gospel is not just for our people actually the invitation is for all people and over the entire globe and to say that you don't have to be circumcised to be a part of that because this is a, this is a Jewish thing now it's available for all of us I think that that would be difficult, but if we're reading what he's saying in uh, verses six through six through nine, Paul was pretty adamant about. Here's the deal: this is this is not only a sticking point. <laughs> this is the most angry letter, yeah. and uh, I mean he's he is fuming yes. whenever he writes this stuff. And yeah. there's almost nothing good. I think it's. I don't know if we're going to get into this later. Normally, within so you uh, you've yeah. got those first three verses where it says, "Hey, this is Paul." I just wanted to say hey, and uh, this is who this is to. Usually there's like paragraphs of, man, I thank God for yeah. you. You guys are awesome. I'm so proud of our connection. I pray for you guys all the time. Yeah. He skips that it completely. That is not what happens here. Skips it completely. And there's says, a quick, Here's the deal. I'm okay, astonished. grace and peace to you. Now. I'm astonished that you guys have fallen so far. It's like, oh, oh yeah. calm down. Yes. So the Jewish Christians were coming along and going, because it was part of, how you knew that you were part of God's people, how you were accepted by God was you went through uh, circumcision. Females who converted to Judaism. What? Who was looking? That's what I'm saying. Why are they walking around? You just kind of knew. I mean, because Gentiles didn't do it. I don't know. This happens, though. This happens in Acts. Well, okay. But I don't want to get too graphic, but... but most honestly, in the especially in the Roman Empire, the um, the toilets were out there on the road. Right. They had, now they were advanced as far as plumbing was concerned, compared to a lot of other cultures that they conquered, and they they installed some of those things where that stuff would all go downhill. Uh, but it was, I mean, that was just part of it. You, there were, you know, toilets and no stalls or anything, just along the sidewalks of some of the roads and stuff. So you would see. Also. A lot of, you know, either um, a lot of the, the athletic events, the games, the Olympic it's events, and, the, you know, all that kind of stuff, a lot of that stuff would be done naked. Uh, and so you would know, oh, that person's Jewish because it looked different than everybody else. But it was, but that's part of it from the Jewish mindset. This is part of what sets us apart. We are God's chosen people. And one of the ways that we know that is this physical feature that proves we're different than everybody else. So when you have centuries and centuries and centuries of that ingrained into your mind, believing in Jesus is just, uh, for the Jews, was just, oh, this is the fulfillment of what all the prophets had said for years and years. We're still part of God's chosen people, but now we recognize that's the Messiah. And we're still part of God's kingdom, but... It's it's Jesus that's the king over it now, okay? So, when you open the door up to Gentiles, which had already happened, Peter had, in, in Acts chapter 10, had gone and talked to a Gentile that God told him to go talk to, and he gets to become a Christian, and the Jewish people are like, I don't know about letting these Gentiles in, but they decided to go ahead and let them in. But, you've got to prove that you're part of God's chosen people. It's not enough just to say, I believe in Jesus, it's not enough just to be baptized in his name. All of you guys 
have to get circumcised because that's what you do. It wasn't, it wasn't even, um, it wasn't like praying, playing a prank or it wasn't, I mean, they just thought this is what has to be done. And so these Gentiles, they want to be a part of this kingdom. They want like, they, they believe the message. They want to be a part of it. So what do you do? Okay, I'll go do this, which was strong commitment <laughs> for, for guys to be honest with you. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Yep. You had to get rebaptized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you weren't and, but, a part of the church. Kind of saying, you know, to put, For sure. Just putting it into the church, we had these things you had to do to be a member of the Church of Christ. Right. That we would never have said that because we didn't become members. We were added to the church. We were added to the church. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but to be honest, there were other denominations that were that way, too. I'm if sure you're going to be a part of our denomination, you're going to have to go through these different. And, and, and so were, you're right. That's, that, that's what's happening here. Okay. So that's what Paul is upset about. And that's why, you know, that little paragraph that I read to you, he's like, that's not the gospel. The good news is everyone can be a part of God's kingdom through Jesus. But you've got somebody else coming along saying everyone who believes in Jesus and is circumcised can be a part of God's kingdom. And that's a different message. And if anybody shares a different message, even if I come along and tell you that, I'm wrong. If an angel comes along and tells you that, they're wrong. Yes, ma'am. Why did converted women not have to have uh, That's a good question. Why didn't women have to? Well, first of all, they couldn't be circumcised because they don't have that. Um, that. <laughs> they don't have that particular appendage. Uh, a lot of times, in, in um, at least in the first century, uh, women... There wasn't a lot of evangelism for Judaism, but there would be what's called proselytes, people who converted to Judaism from whatever other. And uh, the women would be baptized. That was how, you know, they couldn't be circumcised. Men would be circumcised, women would be baptized. So there was there was some kind of ritual to go through. Um, I don't know. I don't know why there was, didn't have to be like a, a tattoo or something. I, I don't know. But they just, and maybe it was just they started having to dress like, I mean, we dressed, We talked about that when we were talking about the women's role stuff. They probably had to change their attire and had to start dressing different to look like a Jewish woman compared to a lot of the Greek and uh, and Roman women. Um, oh my goodness! Mm -hmm. And that's what we're going to talk about. That's what we're going to talk about right now. Yeah. Well, no, not necessarily. I, I don't know that it was an. I don't know that it was an issue. His first time through. What's crazy, and I think there's two things I think of here, there's two things I think of here, is that I think in Paul's mind, the gospel is the most readily, readily accessible thing to everybody. You know, you say, I'm going to place my faith in Jesus Christ, and then Jesus has got you. And then Paul is saying, yeah, you know, there's that, that path to Jesus. And Paul is saying, look, there are people in here that are pseudo-Christians that are putting up a wall. It's like, okay, you want you want Jesus, but like there's some steps that you got to go through first before you can get to Jesus. And what's crazy is that I think in, you know, Corinthians and a lot of other places, there are so many huge issues. Uh, idol worship, things that we've been talking about for a long time uh, in the Old Testament stuff, uh, or maybe just sex outside of marriage or sex like sex is whenever it comes to temple worship. 
prostitution and worshiping other gods and stuff like that. But Paul is most angered. His most angry. His most angry letter is is this. And I think I, this is opinion. That all those things are bad and all those things stink. But the reason that Paul is so angry and frustrated is because the gospel is something that is readily accessible, acceptable to everybody, but the church people are putting boundaries and saying, it no, 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 you can't, you can't, it's not that really accessible. And Paul is saying, man, all that stuff is really bad, but it's even worse whenever religious people put walls in between you and Jesus. And make it and difficult. And I think mm-hmm. that's what the church is not just guilty of here, but what the church is guilty of doing too. We say, well, you believe in, you can believe in Jesus, but only once we go through this Here's process and you're clean yeah. and you're a hundred percent like done with all of like all of these things. And Jesus is just like, man, and I think Paul is too. This is the most readily acceptable thing, and we are putting things in the way of Jesus. But going back to the kind of the timing of this, Tracy, I don't know that he I we don't know for sure how much he had to address it when he first went through these churches. His his uh, uh, his, his method when he went to a new city, the first thing he did was to go to the synagogue, the Jewish church building. And he would talk to the Jews there about, hey, all these prophecies that you've been reading about, we know who that Messiah is now. We know it's Jesus. And that's where he would start. And then eventually people would be mad and they would kick him out and then he would start talking to the Gentiles. That happened over and over and over and over. Read so through the book of Acts. That's what happens over and over. That's what happened here too. He started talking with the Jews and then he moved over to talking to the Gentiles. So there would be people that he probably had discussions with at this time, we just don't know about. That would be like, okay, yeah, they can become Christian, and they got to be circumcised. He's like, no, 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 they don't. Um, but he doesn't stay in any of these places, and he eventually makes his way back to um, um, Antioch, and it's several years later. These, or I don't know if it's several. It's sometime later when this becomes a huge issue in the church. So we left off in Acts chapter fourteen, and we won't read through the whole thing. But in Acts chapter fifteen, this this issue, this topic blows up in such a way that they invite any Christian they want to and all the leaders of the different churches to come to Jerusalem for what they call the council, a council of Jerusalem. And they discuss it. We don't know how long. It just says they discuss it for a while. And finally... And it's heated. It, it, yeah, it's not friendly. Um, and finally, Peter stands up and says, I was the first one to convert a Gentile. His name was Cornelius. And he kind of goes through that story. And he basically says, God didn't have me circumcised then. The Holy Spirit already filled them, and I just kind of completed the process. It was God was already working. So I don't think we have to do this. And then James, the brother of Jesus, who is now a leader in the church, stands up and says, "I think this is uh, we're we're making too big a deal out of this." And and basically, we can tell these Gentiles, "Well, just don't be worshiping idols anymore, and don't eat food sacrificed idols, and do do the right things, keep yourself from being unspotted from the world, but you don't have to." You don't have to um, be circumcised. And that was kind of the official uh, letter, the official ruling of the leaders of the church. And they wrote letters to send back out to all these different churches um, that they're a part of. Okay? Now, I'm, I'm trying to talk kind of quick because the clock's already running. Uh, there's some discussion, there's different opinions on when, when in Paul's. Um, preaching career, he wrote Galatians. So a lot of people think they wrote it after Acts chapter 15, after the council. Uh, he's now got these letters, they've made this decision, and yet there's still some 
some Jewish Christians that are coming up here and, and preaching this. Because after that council in Jerusalem, that's when he goes all the way over here to Greece and starts preaching over there. And so there's some people that think he's over here writing back to this these churches that are still practicing circumcision and going, I just went to a council. We, we've got these letters. You don't have to do this. Okay? Um, or there's the theory that uh, if you look in, go back to Acts one more time, chapter um, 15, this is after he's come back, he and Paul and Barnabas, uh, he and Barnabas have come back uh, to Antioch. Um, chapter 14, verse 28 says they stayed there with them a long time with the disciples. Chapter 15, verse 1, some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. And then that's when they go to the council. So there's a lot of people that think that just during that time frame, when there's people from Jerusalem coming up here and saying you have to be circumcised, there's, Paul also gets a report that these churches that he and Barnabas established over here are teaching the same thing, and that's when he writes this letter back. And in the grand scheme of things, does it matter to know exactly when? Probably not, okay? But I think that fits a little bit better in the timeline. I think the anger that he is talking with and how adamant he is about it, I think Galatians is, is his letter written back to these churches before he goes down to Jerusalem and gets confirmation from everybody else. Um, that's, my, that's my opinion, okay? Because um, even in Galatians chapter 2, he talks about Peter coming up uh, to Antioch and having a discussion with him there. So I think it just fits that way, okay? So word has gotten to Paul. Maybe somebody's asking questions, or maybe, uh, somehow he's found out this is what's being preached, this new gospel, okay? And that's what is going to be addressed um, throughout this letter. And not just circumcision itself, but just what, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does that mean as far as rules and regulations? What does it mean as far as how we live our lives, how we, how we get access to God in the first place, and then what that means for our lives after that? Would you agree? Yeah, it's, a, it's an angry letter, but um, kind of like the prophets, it's not a letter that uh, you know, dear Galatians, <laughs> what the heck is happening? Period. It's it's this call of there's one gospel, and it's that Jesus Christ has died so that you could be saved, and that's an access for all of us. And he he goes back to that over and over. And what's crazy is that um, I, you know, it's kind of like the prophets where we're, we'll we'll talk about the same the same kind of topics, mm -hmm. just with the different little different little slants and stuff. But it's always going back to Man, we have been saved and sanctified through faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. Mm -hmm. Nothing, nothing can detract from that, and nothing can be added to that. Uh, and that's what he just goes back to over and over and over again. So, real quick, we've got a few minutes left. What are the things that Paul is addressing in this book? Number one, he's dealing with the question about circumcision. That's a huge part of this book. Okay, so if you want to write that down, that's one of the things we're going to talk about. Number two is Paul. Uh, defending his right to say what he is saying because there's questions about that there's like he's not there to defend himself anymore and some of these um jewish christians are saying well that paul guy he doesn't even know what he's talking about he's not he's not peter he's not any one of the apostles uh, he doesn't have the, the authority 
to tell you guys this. And so part of Paul in this letter is proving, yeah, I do. Okay? I absolutely have the authority to say what I'm saying. Uh, and then the third thing, so he's going to address circumcision. He's going to address his own um, authority and, and rights as an apostle. And then the third thing is uh, to, um, I guess, <laughs> rein in the tendency uh, that especially these Gentile Christians would have of, of basically going, oh, we don't have rules and laws? Awesome. And just indulging in anything that they want to. Uh, he's going to rein that in too. So it's a lot of talking about rules and regulations, and then all of a sudden towards the end he's going, but, but, but. That doesn't give you the freedom to do anything and everything, okay? So those are, are kind of the three, um, unless there's something else that you would add, the, the three things that Paul is going to talk about. Um, yes, ma'am. Would you, um, or could you say that the, the debate over the circumcision then, that is basically the first addition or man-made rule that took place? Just like, you know, we've all done. Yeah. religion, we've added our own little spin to it. Mm -hmm. So, do you think this is where it all started? Absolutely. Well, I, I think it's one of the first. Uh, let me take that back. The first issue was can Gentiles be a part of this? Uh, that was the first thing. Because up until Cornelius in Acts chapter ten, this Christianity was a was a Jewish religion. And that's what Jesus came and preached. He said, "I'm coming to my people mm -hmm. first. Right. Um, so then for the, do we even accept Gentile? I mean, honestly, the original question was, do we even accept converts to Judaism as Christians? But that got settled kind of quickly. But it's the, it's the whole, do we allow non-Jewish people to become Christians? That question got answered first. The second one would be this. And this came up multiple times. I mean, he had to address this with the Corinthians. He had to address this with, with different, but... Man, the Galatians for sure. And again, this is why I think it's very early on in Paul's career. Hmm. Uh, I think you kind of see a little bit of his, like, he doesn't he doesn't temper things at all. He's very, this is the most, I look at Corinthians, and he gets on the Corinthians over and over again and just basically calls them fools. Uh, but this is even more harsh, you know, and he's so, uh, he's so blunt too. I'll give you a couple examples real quick. We already looked at uh, chapter 1, verse 6. This is what Brandon was talking about earlier. He starts out the letter with nothing like, I thank my God for you guys. I pray for you all the time. You mean so much to me. It is immediate. I cannot believe you people. And just wails into them right from the get-go. Um, in chapter 2, verses 11 to 13, uh, when he's talking about kind of his authority, he talks about getting in Peter's face. Uh, which to the Jewish Christians is like, oh, I mean, Peter's, you know, he's with Jesus. He's right below Jesus as far as you know, just specialness to, to the Christians. And Paul's like, yeah, I got in his face and told him he was screwing up. And then he even throws Barnabas under the bus. And it's like Barnabas was even doing some of the, thing, the same things that Peter's doing. I got onto him too. So <laughs> there's a little bit of just, you know, bluntness and and directness there. And then. Uh, chapter 5 and verse 12, we'll just go ahead and get some of the shock factor out of the way. He's talking about circumcision again. Look at uh, yeah. Look, look at verse 10. 
But verse 12 is what I'm going to focus on. Verse 10, I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. Brothers, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. Verse 12, as for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. What's he saying? Let's not just stop with the foreskin. Let's just cut the whole thing off. This is going to be that, like, it's pretty blunt language. I mean, there's some people like, is that really in the Bible? Yeah, it really is. It's the Apostle Paul saying, I wish they would just cut the whole thing off. Okay? Gotta like his passion, though, man. <laughs> He's Ooh. mad. All right? He is angry. And so that's that's one of the unique things uh, that you see about, you know, the book of the book of Galatians. And so you're talking, talking with teenagers and stuff. It's kind of like, hey, so here's what we're going to read today. Yeah. And go for it. So you, know, you find out, I mean, we'll find out a little bit about Paul. You see, you can, again, you can go through Acts chapters 13, 14, 15 and see some of the, it, it lines up with Galatians or some of the history there. You also find out a little bit about Paul himself because he talks about in Galatians having a sickness hmm. uh, and either the sickness was because of some issues with his eyes or the sickness caused issues with his eyes. We don't know exactly what it was. There's different theories as to what that could be. Uh, but he but he addresses having a sickness and then at the end and says you guys when I was with you you cared so much about me I know you would have clawed your own eyes out and given them to me if that would have helped so there's something there's some kind of physical ailment that he went through that you know his, his eyes were a part of <laughs> uh, and then at the very end of the letter he says you you realize this is me writing this because I'm using Such large words. letters I'm writing with my own hand which again seems to indicate there's some kind of vision issues um, that he's dealing with from the sickness that he had. Uh, and then the last thing, just because we're out of time, what's what do you think is kind of the, the this is the key message in Galatians that we're going to kind of find this string running through the whole thing? I know I'm totally putting you on the spot. No. I, didn't ask you I mean, it, it has to be that it's Jesus and Jesus alone mm -hmm. and your faith, your faith in Jesus. And then, mm -hmm. and then, you know, we were talking, we were talking about uh, what you said, um, Mariette, about you know we're adding we're adding extra steps to get to Jesus. And whenever you add things, it's like you know what, what's this? At the very very beginning in Genesis, uh, God's like, hey, don't eat from the tree. And whenever Satan entices Eve, he says, what did God say? She says, oh, well, we're not going to supposed to eat from the tree. Also, don't touch it, or you're going to die. And it's like, well, Jesus didn't, or Jesus, God didn't, God didn't say that. But we're we're adding we're adding this extra stuff. Uh, and I think Paul is super angry about all this stuff because he's saying, guys, this is not, we're make, we people are making access to God way too hard. And it has to be, and Jesus made a way. And it's like, hey, the blood, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you. And it's you putting your faith in that blood. I think it's part of the, like it. his personal for Paul because that's the life that he came from. Yeah. I mean, somebody who is all about the rules and all about doing everything right and the checklist mentality that dominated a bulk of his life and to be set free from that through Jesus and then and, and experience that freedom and then somebody else comes along and is like, no, 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 we need the checklist back would just be infuriating to him because he's known what it's like to live that free life. So uh, the key verse for me, you, I mean, different preachers will tell you different things for me the key verse to this whole thing is in galatians chapter 5 and if you 
you know, if you've heard me preach it at Flagstone for very long, you've heard me quote this verse multiple times because it's one of my favorites. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. I think that's the key verse to this whole thing. He does talk about faith. He does talk about, you know, we're going to talk about, the, you know, the um, being filled with the Spirit and that kind of stuff. But this is, this is the theme through the whole thing. You are free. Stop trying to not be free. <laughs> Stop trying to, to add stuff to this and, and burden yourselves down with something that's going to make you not experience the freedom that you have in Christ. Now, you can take it you know, kind of addendum to that. You go a few verses down in verse 13, still in chapter 5. Uh, he says, You, my brothers, are called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. So there's freedom, but measured freedom. Like, be smart with it. Don't be dumb with the freedom that you got. Okay? Um, if some of the rules, I don't know, Marietta, if, if curfew had been extended for you to... <laughs> 10 or 11 o'clock, who knows what kind of trouble you could have gotten oh, into, right? <laughs> the little town of 500 people. Yeah. <laughs> the little town of five, yeah. Let's well, move it to 9.30. There's no Ooh. telling what kind of, you know. There could have been at least 30 cars with no air in them. Exactly. Well, I mean, Sherry, go on a rampage and start letting the air out of everybody's tires if she had more, if she had more freedom. I was with a girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And I did it for her because I always sneaky nag next door. It wasn't me. We were driving around and she saw her yeah oh let's go so it's Woo. yeah it's totally justified is the boyfriend's car at another girl's house yeah okay well i i think scripture says that that's okay right we'll, we'll have to find that we'll, we'll have to find that verse in there somewhere so hey let's wrap up class this morning y'all can keep visiting stuff i just i i just for your take home today uh, is just to remind ourselves we've been set free and we need to live like free people. Uh, we need to live like we've been forgiven. We need to live like we don't have checklists that we have to live by. We have grace and we have acceptance and we have forgiveness. And that's an awesome thing. And that needs to be reflected um, in our lives. We should be the happiest, most joy-filled, most peace-filled people. Uh, and sometimes Christians can be the most angry frustrated downtrodden sad because we put extra burdens on ourselves or allow other people to put those things on us you've been set free so live like that that's my two cents worth to wrap up with so we are yes thank you so we're done for today we'll go shut the camera off y'all can stick around and visit as long as you want to but we'll get into galatians chapter one next uh next tuesday yes ma'am